Trauma and Triggers contains explicit content. Please check the show notes for details. Welcome to Trauma and Triggers. I don't like like that intro. Let me try again. Welcome to Trauma and Triggers. I'm Sabrina. And I'm Audrey. And today we're talking about the moment Audrey and I bonded, truly. Oh my god, yeah. I I (laughs) low-key forgot about that. Yeah, the Stanford Prison Experiment. We weren't there. No. (laughs) We weren't alive. We were in fact not born my parents were two probably (laughs) this happened but uh we were in a little gay club yeah (laughs) and talking about psychology and nutrition and uh diet culture yeah and we brought up i don't remember which one of us brought up the stanford prison experiment but um we just started talking about it yeah and uh the rest is history (laughs) yeah there's just something about being at a club talking about the Sanford prison experiment that is very much our energy. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. We will have a, an in-depth conversation about trauma, um, psychology, <laughs> triggers, <laughs> pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Um, not to de not to go off topic, but it's part of our podcast. Uh, what if when we get famous? Because we will. What if? (laughs) But when? But when? What are we going to call our audience? You know? The the, the triggers? No. The traumites? I don't like that. I don't like either of them. Um, What's something like psychology related that we could do? It doesn't necessarily have to be something with trauma and triggers. Um my little dopamine fiends <laughs> dopa I fiends like, <laughs> i feel like we probably would come up with you would come up with a lot just like on the spot probably maybe we should let it happen naturally and not engineer or contrive it probably a good idea okay we Ma- tend to do that better than uh other things yeah if i'm on the spot no it's not going to happen. Okay, one of these days we'll figure it out. Um, this topic is so fascinating. There's so many layers here. I didn't, and I feel like we won't cover all of the layers today. It would probably be like a two-part episode, and each episode is two hours long. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We, we really... That's a lot. That's a lot for me. That's a lot for you. Right. I don't know if I want to do two episodes on the Stanford Prison Experiment. So yeah. we're just going to dumb it down a little bit. So there's going to be things that are missing yeah. from the whole story. But I think we got a pretty good overview. And I mean, I'm really excited to get into it. So I might just I might just get into it. It all starts uh, summer of 1971. Um, the experiment is mostly led by this guy, uh, Dr. Philip Zimbardi. 
the worst man in the world. Wait, Zimbardo. Zimbardi. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I was like, so, I'm, I'm so like, sorry. That's not, no. And we found out today he is still alive. Yeah, he's 90 years old. And uh, 15 years ago, he did a TED Talk where it's, he's talking like he's on double time like if you've this ever man, this yeah. man has clearly had a lot of cocaine yeah over the years of his life he's huffing and puffing and talking faster than i've ever heard anybody talk ever it and was you know, crazy some of that how long ago was that 15 years ago 15 years ago so some of that might have to do with the fact that he was i don't know on a time limit a time limit but also let the mental mass 75 75? (laughs) yeah and doing a ted talk walking around i mean my grandma's 80 and like that's true he doesn't (laughs) in that he doesn't look 75 maybe because because he has darker hair and stuff yeah but i mean considering he's 75 like that man was moving yeah um so yeah definitely he's definitely had a lot of drugs there's no way he hasn't i feel like this whole experiment screams um it's the 70s we're doing psychedelics and also psychology is becoming really popular that's what this (laughs) screams to me like the whole spiritualism where does evil come from sort of thing plus an unethical fucking experiment like we got to get into it because i'm gonna spill all the beans before we've even had the soup so (laughs) do you like that phrase i I just came up with that (laughs) um okay it's summer in 1971 um dr philip zimbardo not zimbardi uh decides that he wants to do an experiment um studying the psychological effects of prison So he places an ad in what I believe is like the Stanford college paper or the local paper. I couldn't tell for sure. Um, The ad says, quote, male college students needed for psychological study of prison life. $15 per day for one to two weeks beginning August 14th. For further information and application, come to room 248 Jordan Hall, Stanford U. Um... I looked it up and $15 per day is now about 110 to $115 a day. Why? Inflama- inflammation? What's it called? Yeah. Con- it. No. Inflammation? <laughs> inflammation. That doesn't. <laughs> What's it called when the money keeps. <laughs> inflation! Inflation! <laughs> inflation! <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. Jesus Christ. Inflammation and inflation is wild. Um, 60 to 70 men applied. I read several different articles, um, some of which I'll link. Some don't deserve to be linked. Um, (laughs) um, And the people who applied were given a diagnostic and psychological interviews to quote weed out bad apples um the goal of the interviews was to find anyone who had like uh sadistic personalities or other mental problems um i'll get to it later in the controversy stuff but there's some people who claim that the interviews were ineffective 
at weeding out those personality types. Um, after the interviews, 24 men were chosen and randomly selected to be guards or prisoners. The actual experiment at first only used nine guards and nine prisoners at a time, and the remaining six were on call. That's just funny to me. I don't know why. Just you're on call for this crazy experiment. I just wanted to be alive. <laughs> just at, at this time when unethical experiments were happening left and right, I just wanted to be alive. Um, so the first day, August 14th, the guards arrived consensually of their free will at a given time. The prisoners, however, were arrested for real by the state police. Audrey will talk more of that later. <laughs> and then taken to the real police department. I didn't realize this at first, but they were taken to the actual police department and held. And it wasn't explained to them until they actually arrived to Stanford that it was because they replied to that ad in the paper. So they just thought they, like, everybody just thought they were being arrested. Yeah, they thought for real that they were being arrested for something. Like, there's video of some some of the participants being, like, drug from their homes, um, drug out in front of their families, drug in, at work, in class, like, all different stuff. That's fucked up. So you can... I just... Okay, anyway... <laughs> I gotta move on from that because that makes me so mad. Um, so we're still on day one. Prisoners were blindfolded, searched, or this is once they arrive mm -hmm. at Sanford. The yeah. actual cops weren't doing this because uh, even at that time, it was it's uh, illegal. Yeah, to do the things that they did at the university. Yeah, I I saw that. Yeah, when I was looking for ethics, I was, it was like. This is not just unethical. This is illegal. Yeah. <laughs> Even for the 70s. Um, so they were blindfolded, searched, stripped. <laughs> Cue the little dick jokes. So already at this point, the guards have established their role. And they're being stripped by the guards. So they... I. I couldn't find specifically the things that they said, but they were making fun of their genitalia. Um, and deloused by the guards. Delousing is just like throwing powder on them. A cleansing powder that's supposed to get rid of like lice and germs and make them smell good. Hmm. And there's so much on the quote official website for the stanford prison experiment which i believe the website was created by uh zimbardo where it goes into detail about how they intentionally chose to do things like this to humiliate the prisoners yeah that was the whole goal <laughs> yeah um so the delousing was to make them feel like they were dirty and gross and stuff like that um, they were given uniforms consisting of a short shapeless dress, otherwise known as a smock, um, on the smock 
It had their prison identification number on the front and the back. What bothers me about the prison identification numbers is they're not in order. Like there's 8106 and then there's 419, but there's only nine prisoners. Yeah, they were like randomized numbers. Yeah, I, think. I didn't like that. Um, so that's the worst part about this experiment to me. The identification <laughs> number, it's absolutely ridiculous. Be, being out of, that's crazy talk right there. Everything else is totally fine. Um, yeah, so they were given those uniforms. They were given a nylon, a nylon stocking to simulate a shaved head. And a heavy chain was clasped to their right ankles and uh, rubber sandals. Here's a quote from the prison experiment website. Um, Quote, when a prisoner turned over, the chain would hit his other foot, waking him up and reminding him that he was still in prison, unable to escape even in his dreams. It's fucked up. It's, It's fucking wild. Oh, my God. Um, the guards all wore khaki uniforms, gross, aviator cool guy sunglasses, and a whistle, lame, and a billy club. What is it? It's like a, it's like a a hard stick. Like a baton? Yeah, it's like a baton. Yeah. Um, day two, I wrote, it's pretty chill, you know? (laughs) They just had to sleep in tiny cells and get woken up in the middle of the night by whistles and banging to be counted and have their prison prisoner IDs confirmed. So bright and early, they decided to rebel. So there's already a rebellion on day two. Um, love, so proud of them. They refused to eat or leave their cells. Um, they ripped off their numbers and they took off their stockings. I wrote stocks there. Um, and yelled mean words at the guards. I, um, if I had time and this was like my full-time job, I would have watched every single video available about this and gone way too much into detail. But alas, this will have to do. Um, so that was their rebellion, a pretty tame rebellion. I feel like... I would throw hands in this situation. Well, I think that from what I saw, there were like a few other, like they used their beds to block off doors Mm -hmm. and like they did try to do a few other things to make sure that the guards like couldn't get to them. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the, the prisoners were rarely um, physical to the guards or like nearly as humiliative as the guards were with the prisoners. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, we're, and I will say, like, in a real prison setting, I don't feel like that's true. <laughs> Necessarily. Yeah. Um, there's definitely, like, I don't know. The The issue I have with this is not that I think that things like this would never happen in prisons. I think that would be naive to say. The issue is the clear ethical dilemma. And then to me, I think the experiment was kind of rigged to secure funding. 
which we'll get into later okay <laughs> when we get to the controversy part um so we're still on day two so in response to the rebellion um zimbardo had the night shift guards join the day shift guards so at this point it's like circulating like i forget what it's circulating like they split up the nine guards to do night shift and day shift um but by day two he has them join together um and then he also calls on the other three guards who are like on call so just out of curiosity um just to make sure we're on the right page there's 12 guards nine prisoners the other three prisoners just never came or what I believe they were swapped in, um, like new prisoners were brought in as, uh, the older prisoners were having mental breakdowns. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's good. Um, and another interesting thing is Zimbardo claims that he was very like hands off except for like initially and this is clear interference like this happened on his orders for the guards to gang up and join forces to outnumber the prisoners yeah so clearly this this wasn't you know what i'm saying like you can't say oh i just let them do whatever they want and i didn't put any ideas in their head and then clearly day two in the experiment, you're already interfering. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, so they join forces, the guards do. I got to say, when I was writing this, I could not spell guard right for the life of me. I kept doing G-A-U instead of G-U-A. Yeah, the like spelling is not my specialty. And anytime that there's like a word... Where two letters could easily be mixed up. Yeah. I will fuck it up every time. Yeah, absolutely. I still struggle with the word soldier. Do you know how, like, dumb that makes me feel? Soldier? There should be a J in there, but there's not. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> That's a new take I haven't heard before. <laughs> soldier. J. I hear a J. Soldier. Soldier. We have to move on. <laughs> we gotta get half of this episode is just us being like we gotta move on okay um so on day two after the rebellion the guards sprayed fire extinguishers at the prisoners which i don't know what chemicals fire extinguishers contained at the time in the 70s but i do know now that's not something you want on your skin in your mouth on your face anything like that yeah so that's not good um, they also removed their clothes and mattresses and blankets. <laughs> Great. Um, so day three, the guards begin playing favorites. They give the prisoners who didn't do much in the rebellion special privileges like basic necessities such as clothing, food, and beds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so special. Wow. Um, There were only three goody two-shoes who didn't really join in the rebellion. 
They got to live it up with their clothes and food and blankets for 12 hours before they were forced to rejoin the other prisoners. Um, This was done intentionally to sow discord between the prisoners. Um, While the three brown nosers, I really didn't like... (laughs) these guys (laughs) now i feel bad like they were put in an awful situation if i were put in this situation i would probably just freeze up and not really know what to do i don't know i i feel like group mentality might take over yeah for Um, sure like i'm definitely not a leader of a rebellion but would i join one if it was there probably do you feel like I feel this way about myself, but I don't know if this is my ego. I feel like I would lead a rebellion. I could see you doing that. And I feel like if you did it, I would. (laughs) (laughs) If you did it, I'd be right beside you. But, like, for me, that's a lot of work. (laughs) That's a lot. It's a lot of pressure. People are relying on you. and like you got to organize rations and then you're the one that's responsible for any consequences like these motherfuckers right yeah nobody wants to be that person um so the the three fellas had nice basic things the rest of the prisoners had to eat the bare minimum not be able to use the bathroom forced to use a bucket to pee and poop in which i saw the the movie with i think i don't even remember the actors but it was like a dramatization did you ever see that movie i don't think so no that shit was disgusting it doesn't sound that bad maybe it does but seeing it visually made me want to throw up yeah i mean they they did everything they could to dehumanize people which is usually not a pretty process yeah it's not good being like the basic things that we get being stripped away like clothes and bathrooms and especially when you're surrounded by other people who have complete access to those things is really a fucked up thing to see yeah and also i never i didn't comment on it when i said it but the choice of the smock which was not standard for prisoners was so clearly meant to be a demasculating thing yeah you know what i mean like a dress thing that goes to your knees um and they started that early i mean with all the like comments on genitalia and yeah uh, that was that was day one yeah so the rest of the prisoners involved i think it would be six if there were nine prisoners at this point um they weren't allowed to use the bathroom and they had to do push-ups like just for the most um menial things just like stumbling when you walked stuff like that they had to do push-ups and count it out to the point of exhaustion sometimes um reminder it's day two by this point a prisoner known as 8621 began to have a mental breakdown and asked to leave instead of letting the poor man go zimbardo convinces him to stay as an informant 8621 begins to deteriorate further Oh, this is day three. I'm sorry. I said it's day two. Um, It's still pretty early for that to be like, clearly there's a lot of things that are happening. If that's the response. It's also like Zimbardo talks a lot about how this is 
so similar to the American prison system. But it's like, in a way, it's not because of a thing called due process. You don't get surprise arrested and then thrown into prison the next day. You get arrested and then you're detained in a jail, which you're most likely by yourself or with one or two other people who probably aren't hardened criminals. And then you have a time for trial and stuff like that. I mean, the reality is with this experiment that he did, he did everything he could to put them in the role of prisoner and guard, Mm -hmm. which meant he thought he needed to literally do everything he could. Most of it is not legal. Even in like yeah prison systems, like they don't do that. You have rights even as a prisoner. Not many, but still, yeah, they're there for a reason and arguably unnecessary. Yeah, arguably very unnecessary. Like there's not much difference, or there's to me it's like why couldn't you just have the prisoners show up at the allotted time and then start the experiment then? Why did you have to do that? Like that, that to me really threw me off. Um, and then all the other terrible things that happened. Um, day four, the prisoners separate into groups of people who follow the rules and uh, people who are still resisting the rules. Um, prisoner 819 begins crying. The guards make the rule followers uh make derogatory comments about him crying 819 is catholic so zimbardo sends in a prison a real prison priest um when talking to the priest 819 requests a medical doctor so zimbardo sends him home and 819 is like kind of still convinced that he's 819 and not whoever he really is. Mm. So Zimbardo talked about how he had to convince him that he wasn't 819 and that he was really a human being, which is just like, (laughs) yeah, that's fucking wild. Uh, Day five, friends and family day. Visitors were forced to sign in and wait for extended periods of time. Uh, Visitors could only see prisoners for 10 minutes at a time while the guards watched. Many parents left with plans to contact lawyers. A couple of colleagues of Zimbardo also um, look in on the experiment on this day. Gordon Bauer and um, PhD recipient Christina Mosslock. And they, Gordon Bauer says to Zimbardo, there's not really like your experiment is all whopper jawed. Um, Don't you dare say that. <laughs> the like the independent variable doesn't make sense. Zimbardo responds very angrily, and he says, at the time he felt more like a prison superintendent than he did a uh, psychologist. A runner of an experiment which i i do want to say um because i didn't include this in 
the ethics part, and I don't know if you talk about it at all, um, involving yourself in an experiment as a doctor is not recommended. <laughs> right. For this reason. Right. Like, you're supposed to be a completely unbiased person mm-hmm. in the experiment. You should be watching above, making sure everything's going correctly, and... Um, doing research that's the whole point of what you're doing don't involve yourself in the experiment that fucks with things in so many ways yeah it can really skew the results Mm -hmm. and then during a time when unethical experiments are allowed can make you do things that make people upset for the next 50 years yeah (laughs) we're still mad about it like i I don't think anybody's happy with this this experiment it's fascinating because it's fucked up right um which is like you know why people are still talking about it Mm -hmm. and the results of it i think were important enough that people felt the need to continue talking about it in a psychological setting Mm -hmm. um but the reality of it is i don't I don't know if they replicated this because they, I'm not sure that they can. Um, so it's not retestable, which mm-hmm. is a requirement for experiments. It's not uh, reliable or valid. Mm-hmm. All of the things that you have to have for an experiment to be considered legitimate. Mm-hmm. None of those things. <laughs> yeah. It, it's more like, do you remember when prank videos were really popular on YouTube? Yeah. Do you remember the one guy who went around touching women's butts in public and then called it a social experiment later? I think that sounds vaguely familiar. It's giving that energy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to do a bad thing and then excuse it by okay. saying that it's uh, for the better good. Yeah. It's a social experiment. Like... I don't know. Just fuck you, dude. Anyway. Um, so after day five, Zimbardo begins to wonder if he should call it quits. Um, I, I read some things. I don't know if I should include this, but I read some things that were like, he really didn't make the decision to quit. Um, his colleagues kind of went over his head to the dean of the school and kind of forced him to so it's kind of like mm. like does he get the credit for even like making the correct decision to stop it i don't know how far would he have gone right this the reality is that's day five that they really kind of stopped doing mm-hmm. the experiment and it was supposed to be how many days one to two weeks and he wanted to go the full two weeks yeah um so 14 days 14 days mm-hmm. and that could have resulted in some serious harm, not just mentally, but physically. Like, none of the prisoners were doing well. Mm-hmm. The guards were clearly stuck in a position where they would do bodily harm, if instructed, or even just in general. Right. Um, and that's not good. <laughs> that's really not good. Um <laughs> And, like, if multiple people saw this and were like, this is clearly not okay, he was at a point in time in history where he should have known better. I I feel like I just want to 
point out that it's interesting to me that it was a woman who called into question the morality of it. Like the other guy was just talking about your independent variable doesn't make any sense. I She you know, was like, hey, people are being harmed here. Yeah. And to be fair, I wasn't there at the time. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Just to clarify, we're say, not time travelers. I will say for me, if I was like speaking to somebody like Zimbardo mm-hmm. and I was trying to get him to stop the experiment because it's unethical and harming people and doing a lot of other things that are not good, mm-hmm. but he clearly doesn't give a fuck, I would probably be like, hey, your independent variable doesn't make sense because that's the only way he's going to stop. Right. Yeah. So, like, I don't know for sure if that was the situation, Mm -hmm. but, you know, like, I kind of get where he's coming from with that one. Yeah, I get that. Um, But it's just, you know, a lot of our episodes come to a conclusion of kind of like, hey, empathy is important. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's shocking. (laughs) Shocker. To people. Even if you don't have empathy, you know, maybe pretend. Just pretend for just a second. Yeah. Just try. Just do all the things that everyone else does who has empathy and then move on with your <laughs> life. <laughs> um, that was really bad advice. So day six, everyone's released. Yeah. Thank God. Thank Jesus Christ. Um, this is a quote from a participant known as Prisoner 146. Um quote i began to feel that i was losing my identity um that the person that i called clay the person who put me in this place the person who volunteered to go into this prison because it was a prison to me it still is a prison to me i don't regard it as an experiment or a simulation because it was a prison run by psychologists instead of run by the state I began to feel that that identity, the person that I was, had decided to go to the prison, was distant from me, was remote until finally I wasn't that. I was 416. I was really my number. He said that years later. Yeah. He said that years after the experiment. I'm sure there was a lot of psychological damage that people had to kind of get through before they were like, okay. (laughs) So this was the situation I was put in. And this is how I felt about it. Because, I mean, like, we've both experienced trauma and then not recognized the full extent of it until, you know, a year or two later. Right. Or more. Or you more. Know? <laughs> like, I get it. Um, so, question. Mm-hmm. By day six, how many people had left? Because um, I thought it was three, but it might be less than that. I believe it was just two and actually a guard left there was a guard who refused to take part how early do you know i think it was day two or day three that he was like okay yeah like this is clearly not going okay right you know probably right about when somebody was having a mental breakdown and asked to leave and it was not allowed to right also the fact that he let a guard leave but didn't let a prisoner leave is super fucked up Yeah, to me, it's definitely, like, okay, Zimbardo is a psychologist. Mm -hmm. He, you have some psychology training, you know? It kind of gives you a one-up on manipulating people. 
And that one kid, um, 8169 or whatever, he wanted to leave. Both of them wanted to leave. And instead of just being like, okay, yeah, he was like, how can I convince you to stay sort of thing? I'll bring a priest in, which I think is disgusting to use someone's religion for sure to manipulate them. Uh, and then the other guy, he was said, be an informant for me. Um, and it was just like, and that pushed the other guy over the edge too. Oh God. <laughs> Sorry. That was my cat. She found a box, our box for our sound equipment. Um, I want to touch on some of the controversy a little bit and then we'll take a break. Um, I think the two main controversies are the poor ethics, which we've touched on, and hopefully I didn't ruin that for Audrey. (laughs) Uh, Audrey will get into that after the break, and that the experiment was, quote, rigged or poorly planned, poorly thought out. Um, This is a quote from Philip Zimbardo in 1983. He's talking about the goal of what the experiment was. Um, Quote, to show that normal people could behave in pathological ways, even without the external pressure of an experimenter slash authority. My colleagues and I put college students in a simulated prison setting and observed the power of roles, rules, and expectations. Young men selected because they were normal, on all the psychological dimensions we measured, um, became hostile and sadistic, verbally and physically abusing others. Blah, blah, blah. He says more. This guy loves to talk. Um, (laughs) So I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's 44 pages long. Um, But this man who is French and has a lot of degrees wrote a 44-page paper (laughs) called Debunking the Stanford Prison Experiment. Um, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of the name. He also wrote a book about it. Yeah, I was going to say it it sounds almost like it could have been um, part of a, like, thesis Mm -hmm. um, for school. Um, So that might. That seems like something that somebody would do a thesis on. Yeah. And um, I'll link this whole thing. His name is... <sighs> Take a deep breath. Uh, Thibault Lee Texier. Texier. Texier, I'm going to say, because he's French. Yeah. Um, so we established that the goal was to prove people could be evil without any outside influence or that's what Zimbardo said the goal was which in his more recent stuff it seems like he's saying that's not what the goal was I don't know I think that was it was definitely what the goal was I don't know if he's still saying that because I'm sure over time he's had to change some of his opinions to fit society better um (laughs) Considering that man was still talking 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure he's changed some of the way that he speaks about his own uh, experiment. Mm-hmm. But that was definitely his goal. And he failed. He failed wildly to 
proved that that was true. Yeah, but he won't admit that. Admit that. Yeah. He still thinks he proved. And there's other studies that I think kind of prove his concept more. Yeah. I mean, like, the reality is I'm not personally disagreeing that what he's saying is wrong. And I'm... Right. We're kind of getting into some of my stuff. (laughs) But... I don't personally believe that the idea that people will do things because they're put in a position of power will is not true. Like, I think that there are plenty of real world examples of that happening. Absolutely. So I don't disagree with his his statement or what he thinks he proved. But the reality is his study did not reflect what his goal was because it was fucked three ways to Sunday. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I hate to have to say it, but it's the truth and someone needs to say it. Okay. So this guy has just five points that I'm going to get into quickly that I think support this idea that the experiment was rigged or whatever you want to say. Um, Point number one, the guards knew what the results of the experiment was supposed to produce. Um, Zimbardo and his assistants announced the objectives of the experiment to the guards during their orientation day, Saturday, August 14th. Zimbardo confided to the future guards that he had, quote, a grant to study the conditions which led to mob behavior, violence, loss of identity, feelings of anonymity. Essentially, we're setting up a physical prison here to study what that does. And those are some of the variables that we've discussed are current. um, And those are some of the psychological barriers. We want to recreate in our prison that psychological environment. So he tells them what he wants. To the guards, to the people who are going to be in charge. Um, um, and he even gave a list of feelings that he wanted to, who he wanted the guards to evoke in the prisoners. Um, boredom, frustration, fear, arbitrariness, loss of privacy, loss of freedom of action, loss of individuality, and powerlessness. And th- there's a copy of this note and a transcript of his communication with the prisoners in the Stanford archives. So that's number one. So number two, far from reacting spontaneously to this pathogenic social environment, the guards were given clear instructions for how to create it. For example, Zimbardo explained to them during the guard orientation day exactly the types of things that they can do, such as uniforms, um, calling them feminine names, uh, commenting on their genitalia, um, telling them you have total power in this situation, they have none. So he's feeding them all this information right, and telling them who they are, like building them up to be aggressors. Yeah, I mean, he he's kind of saying, like, his original goal was to just place them into this environment and see how the roles take place. Mm-hmm. But from the very beginning of the experiment, he's been enforcing the roles before they even got to the 
experiment you know like one group has complete and total freedom to come and go as they need to while the other is literally put in handcuffs and humiliated in front of people that they know right so from the start he's building this idea that they should be sadistic and some of the guards say in interviews and i wish i had more time for this but he the guards say stuff like we were under the impression we were playing a role for him there were we saw the camera lenses in like in the prison we knew that he was watching the whole time and we knew what he wanted like to us we were acting um which doesn't excuse the things they did but um i'm not even sure that i necessarily believe that that's true to be yeah, honest i don't fully believe that's true either but i do think it kind of plays a part yeah because he did explicitly say that he what he wanted and then they knew that they were being watched so on top of that they were almost like showing off does that make sense yeah um the experimenters intervened directly in the experiment either to give ex- precise instructions to recall the purpose of the experiment or to set general direction um the experimenters asked the guards not to follow their instinctive reactions but to play a specific role a guard mike varn reported um at the end of the experiment that several times the warden or professors in bardo specifically directed us to act a certain way uh for example have a hard attitude um separate the prisoners yada yada so that pretty much sums it up like he just lists a bunch of little points of like so you're saying that you didn't intervene and then here's several instances where you did intervene so yeah i mean i still think the experiment is interesting i still think kind of what he set to prove is true i think normal people can behave in pathological ways given the right circumstances so anything you want to say <laughs> before we take a break no i'm trying not to comment too much on stuff because i still have to do like the ethical ethical dilemma stuff mm-hmm. and a lot has been said <laughs> so i'm trying to no! not say more <laughs> we did it again it's all about to kinks be fair, all over. like the controversy and the ethical dilemma stuff it really is crossed a lot yeah because like the controversy is like whether or not this experiment should have happened in the first place or whether or not it was um appropriate to do it and a lot of the reasons why it wasn't appropriate is because it's not ethical so like it was bound to happen (laughs) yeah we knew it was gonna happen well we're gonna take a little break and we'll get into the ethics the whys and what is good and evil (laughs) yeah bye bye welcome back everybody hello well i guess mostly welcome back for us we don't actually i guess we're not technically (laughs) taking a break with you guys it's just for us i mean if we ever have an ad one day then welcome back i love that you're like when we get famous as if when like it's but then it's if we have an ad yeah so i ride a seesaw (laughs) of just (laughs) just self-belief beyond a doubt and then like maybe i don't deserve a blanket do you know what i'm saying yeah
that checks out from what I know about you. <laughs> I should hope so. I think I, I scream that energy. <laughs> Everybody senses that about me. Okay, so this really should have been put in the conspiracy category, but I didn't voice my opinions until after Sabrina talked. (laughs) And she still doesn't know anything about what I'm saying right now. So um, one of the things I wanted to point out is there was a previous study done um, by Stanley Milgram, uh, who I think went to college with Zimbardo, like they were colleagues or um, peers at some point in time. They knew each other. Um, so Stanley did an experiment on authority and how people who are put in a position of... Um, uh, how, how should I say that? Um, submission. No, not submission. <laughs> um <laughs> They're, they're put in a position where they have some kind of authority over another person's life. Mm-hmm. Um, what they would do if there's a different authority figure telling them what to do. Gotcha. Right. So, like, how likely people are to do, you know, horrible things mm-hmm. if someone of authority who seems credible tells them to do so. Gotcha um a chain of command a chain of command resulting in violence and destruction so i don't want to go too far into this experiment because that's not what we're talking about right now (laughs) um but basically the authority figures in the experiment were just normal people with Mm -hmm. a lab coat on (laughs) Mm -hmm. just to be clear no one of authority was actually involved in this experiment which is a very important distinction between this experiment and zimbardo's um the actual like stanley stayed out of the environment of the experiment god bless you stanley um also people weren't actually hurt in his experiment no wow Um, amazing (laughs) but basically he like the whoever the authority figure was uh told somebody who had an entire like shocking system like an electrical electrocution system in front of them and told them to just keep going up Mm -hmm. and at the end of it was basically a lethal dosage yeah a lethal amount of electricity yeah Yeah. and so 90 percent of the people in the experiment went up to the highest voltage um and like some people had questions (laughs) but the reality is most people also went through with it because an authority told them to. Yeah. And said that they wouldn't be held responsible for the results. Um, so my theory personally is that from what Zimbardo says, he's trying to prove in his experiment that people will do these things because of a position of power rather than being told by somebody who's in a position of power. Right? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. Um, and these experiments were done pretty close together. So Milgram's experiment was in 1961 and um, Zimbardo's experiment was in... 71. Yeah. 1971? Or was it 67? 1971. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... I personally think that 
Zimbardo's experiment was just to prove a point against Milgram's. Like, he was kind of building off of it, but it was just like, it was, there was a clear distinction that there was something right. happening here. Um, but in, in the end, he basically, just because of how unethical it was and how often he interfered with the experiment and was very, very clearly the authority figure in the experiment, he just reinforced Milgram's study. Right. He just proved the results of Milgram's study again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that's one of my comments about that. <laughs> kind of, it's not necessarily a comment on ethical dilemmas, but just. Yeah. A little, it's interesting, the similar similarities, but I mean, in experiments, they do. kind of like copy paste and change one variable um but i forgot to mention that it seems like zimbardo um stole the idea from one of his students right and then uh matt jaffa j-a-f-f-e and that was david 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 (laughs) (laughs) it's it's definitely dave (laughs) It's definitely David. Uh, (laughs) David did the experiment in April of 1971 over a weekend with students. Um, And then Zimbardo heard about it and was like, let's make this bigger. And then never really gave him the appropriate amount of credit until he was called out on it in like 2003, 2007, something like in there. So that's. A little yucky, to be honest. It was already gross, and now it's real bad. Yeah. But, sorry. Okay. So, um, first of all, a lot of the stuff we did kind of get out of the way already. Um, You know, pretty much everything in the Stanford Prison Experiment was unethical. Pretty much all of it. Anything that was ethical was taken was no longer ethical because of all the un- other unethical things happening. Twisted. <laughs> Fuck three ways from Sunday. <laughs> so, um, in the beginning, they took the prisoners from their homes and police cars and, like, genuinely arrested them, held them in jail. That whole thing. I um, wonder if that went on their record. No, I, I don't think that it could. Okay. I, I just wondered. Um, but I think... To me, the goal of this was to make their mindset fit what he wanted them to before he even brought them to the experiment, Mm -hmm. which is entirely inappropriate. (laughs) Yeah. If if nobody, there wasn't even anybody to really watch, like it was recorded, but there was nobody to really watch inside of the jail or like there was no specific recount of what happened to these participants while they were being held right so it it obviously it wasn't even part of the experiment it couldn't be considered part of the experiment it was just a shitty thing to do to people (laughs) yeah how (laughs) so it was just the whole goal was to make them feel powerless which i do think he succeeded in doing (laughs) yeah good job bud great (laughs) everything else that you did in the experiment would have done accomplished a similar thing i feel yeah. like i mean starting from the first day i think you know you did it 
you made everyone feel powerless <laughs> good job but in a matter of you know three hours i don't even think the guards really felt like they were in a position of power just because of how much he was playing a role in the um experiment you know like they were just to an extent doing what he wanted them to do right and you know i i wasn't there <laughs> as we've established i wasn't there i don't know we weren't there i don't know how these people felt and yet i really i think the guards um i don't know where this thought is going that's okay i was happy to ride there with you <laughs> out here to going. nowhere um, <laughs> uh, i just think that the guards really mostly did not feel what he was trying to accomplish yeah i think something about the guards and their position in this reminds me of and it's it's not exactly the same but it reminds me of when there's a kid who's a bully and then you find out their dad is abusive like that <laughs> that's the energy it reminds me of. it's a really interesting example but i do get what you're saying yeah like i know it's not exactly the same it's like, but is, same it, is it really your fault that you're this way or is right. it somebody else's fault yeah, yeah. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the conditions that the prisoners were kept in were unsanitary, dehumanizing, just completely inappropriate for any experiment. Um, several of the, both prisoners and guards, I think there were probably plenty of guards that felt uncomfortable with the situation. Um, I would reckon so. I'd say so. Um, wanted to leave the experiment, but weren't really allowed to like he he did what he could to convince them um i'm not sure if he like flat out refused though i think he was just really trying to um convince them to stay right i I think like we were talking about earlier is legally he had no right to keep them and he told all of them they could leave at any time like in the paperwork they signed but he's a manipulative slimy guy yeah so i think he was able to say the right things to these men who young men who are in vulnerable mental states to convince them this day right that's what i'm getting yeah um and you know one thing to say informed consent i'm pretty sure like in most ethical sorry <laughs> i just burped directly into the mic. i'm so sorry i didn't feel that coming at all i heard that in my right ear <laughs> um, i apologize um so right um in most <laughs> most ethical paperwork or just like documents whatever what have you it should state that no physical or emotional harm happens to the participants yeah like that is a thing <laughs> yeah both happened i think yeah i mean the you know doing push-ups isn't like terrible but doing them to the point of exhaustion and the fire extinguishers i'm sure had some physical as aspect 
of harm to yeah. them. Um, there was just, there's a lot of things in this experiment that just go against basic human rights. Right. That they didn't sign up for. Right. He did not tell anybody that this was going to happen. They may have signed a paper, but they didn't. They didn't know, know. the full extent. Right. I don't think. Um, so several wanted to leave. Um, and he really didn't allow this to happen until him or some of his colleagues that were helping run the experiment decided that the people who wanted to leave were genuinely just too traumatized to continue safely. Um, so we kind of, we touched on this already. A lot of the cruel acts against prisoners were suggested by Zimbardo or his assistant's colleagues, um, him and his undergraduate student, um, that Sabrina talked about earlier, David, <laughs> uh, I don't know his last name. J- Jaffa. 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 <laughs> um, acted as ward and superintendent. So, you know, they were, they were there amongst the people, amongst the guards, the prisoners, I think. I'm not sure how often the prisoners saw them, but, um, they were clearly a part of this Mm -hmm. experiment. So I got a lot of this from um, an article called uh, Stanford Prison Experiment, Rolling With It. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the big ethical dilemmas that calls into question the results of the experiment itself, despite the fact that, you know, it didn't even finish. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, they literally had to end the experiment, which should automatically, there's so many things that should just automatically discredit this experiment, <laughs> but it's talked about so often. Um, were the protest- participants acting how the experimenters wanted them to act? Um, there were like two, uh, there was a model guard and a model prisoner. Right. There were mm-hmm. two people who seemed to really just fill the role that he wanted them to fill. Um, and they actually got interviewed. Um, I don't know by who. Don't ask me. I have no idea. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> Somebody. Um, so the prisoner, Douglas Corpy, reported that keeping up the role was often exhausting and that his alleged breakdown was completely staged. Considering he also requested to leave several times, it's not hard to imagine he faked his torment in order to get out early or garner favor with the researchers. The guard, Dave Eshelman, said he purposefully adopted an over-the-top persona to help the experimenters get the results they wanted. It's also worth noting that when guards did small favors for prisoners and treated them kindly, they were told to be more tough by researchers. I am shaking my head. Nobody can see it except for Audrey. I'm just, I'm pissed. <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. It's just, it's it bothers me that the perception is still mostly. I feel like, and the, the what Zimbardo still to this day says is that this experiment proved that people will people who are given power will act a certain way do you know what i'm saying and it's like 
you pulled so many strings and pushed so many buttons to get what you wanted out of this that even the people involved in the experiment were just like we'll do what you want us to do yeah (laughs) and when they wanted to get out you wouldn't let them leave right which the amount of time he held them for is a crime yeah if they said that they wanted to leave on day two and he didn't let him leave, so day four they faked a mental breakdown, like, yeah, you're holding someone against their will. <laughs> it's very clearly... I'm surprised none of these people have sued him. Yeah. Um, I think some of that was... I think I'm trying to put myself in a in a different perspective because mm-hmm. for especially for the guards like i can imagine why they didn't sue him they clearly they did a lot of really horrible things that they probably don't feel good about um that was obviously not they weren't necessarily completely responsible for those actions but for me i wouldn't want to sue anybody that had that kind of knowledge (laughs) or like I wouldn't feel like I had the right to do that yeah um and for the other people I don't know I think that humiliation and um making people feel powerless goes a long way and that might not have been like his goal wasn't obviously specifically to humiliate them into not suing him. I don't think that he really fully processed how terrible this was going to be. Um, but I doubt anybody felt like they could. Yeah. I mean, there is an element of sexual abuse here. And... I think especially for that time period, like that would be very humiliating for men yeah. in the 1970s. And there's, I, I don't know for sure, like time constraints on suing people. <laughs> I don't know. I think you can do it whenever you feel like if you can get a lawyer who <laughs> yeah, who thinks you have a case. And I don't know exactly what they signed away. To do, to do this that's true there could be paperwork that they signed that basically allowed this to happen even though it definitely shouldn't have right um so yeah there's some ethical issues just just all over the place just sprinkled in not even sprinkled, it doused <laughs> doused in ethical issues <laughs> i think we should call this uh episode Stanford Prison Experiment, The Ethical Dilemma. <laughs> the Ethical Dilemma. It's the Ethical Dilemma. And it's like, I have a hard time with this because so many of the major studies that have been done in psychology mm-hmm. that even we still study and like drive theories from now mm-hmm. have been unethical. That's the reality of it. A lot of them are. Mm-hmm. Most actually um because it was from an early time where you know ethical uh practices were not really at the forefront of everybody's mind (laughs) there wasn't full understanding of how that would um 
affect people uh, or what was appropriate wasn't what wasn't appropriate. So like I'm saying this personally because I think that this is probably one of the major studies that's talked about and um, used for explanations of things that was genuinely extremely harmful to people's psyche mm-hmm. um, and it's clear that Zimbardo had no empathy for them which is not a not a good thing I, I don't <laughs> feel good about that <laughs> Um, as an experimenter, I don't think that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Audrey's stamp of disapproval. Yeah. (laughs) Not good. I do think this is one of the worst studies I've seen for a while that's been so clearly, like, just terrible all around. The, the results are skewed. The results are just completely, they should be completely unusable. Like, there's no reason why people would use this as a valid excuse for anything. Right. I or mean, explanation for anything. Be beyond the ethical issues, there's like the experiment is completely devalued by by so many things. There is no independent variable. Yep. Like there is no the the guards were led. The prisoners were also clearly playing a role. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, the, just so many elements of this experiment don't work. And in fact, the experiment that uh, David Jaffa... <laughs> you got it this time. Yeah, that he did um, in April on a smaller scale did not have the same results at all. There were several several participants who were the guards in his experiment who refused adamantly the whole time to do harmful things to the prisoners. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like there it seems to me what this proves if it proves anything is there has to be an element of if if people aren't sadistic, if they're not a sadist, um there has to be an element of outside authority taking responsibility or specifically telling them to act a certain way to harm them right which is something i do think this experiment if anything did show right those were the results it was just not the results he wanted and he ignored that fact (laughs) (laughs) and i also i do want to mention there's one other ethical thing that i didn't talk about that i do feel like is pretty important about the experiment um you mentioned that they had an interview process to weed out the bad apples, mm-hmm. um, which is not appropriate at all. That is so when doing an experiment, you have people sign up, mm-hmm. whatever. Some of that is biased. People, most experiments are going to have some kind of bias as long as you acknowledge it and try to make up for that fact. You're good. Mm-hmm. Um, but no matter what of the participants you receive selections of who actually participates in the experiment should not be handpicked ever. Hmm. Um, they're supposed to be randomly selected. Uh, there can be clusters. It can be a 
blind study, mm-hmm. but the person running the experiment should not be choosing who participates. Interesting. And how many, it was 60 to 70 men applied, and then they interviewed everyone, given diagnostic and psychological interviews, and then 24 men were chosen. Mm Because this automatically skews the results. It doesn't matter. Like, the results are going to be, they're supposed to be varied. (laughs) The whole point is that it's a... it's a, what am I looking for? A sample of the population, mm-hmm. which is going to have a lot of different variables. Um, and instead, he chose to choose people that he felt fit his need for the experiment. Yeah, I get what you're saying. So even though part of what he was trying to prove was like normal people people who aren't sadistic he still should have had a broad selection for it yeah he should have had a broad selection it should have been randomly selected he did randomly select the guards and the prisoners but that's besides the point because it was such a small sample um and like and then like what did he get from that psychological interview that led him I don't think that Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I I don't think that it necessarily I don't I don't know what the interviews were that he gave them. I don't know right. if his goal was to see, you know, whether or not people already had sadistic tendencies or just had mental health issues in general. Mm-hmm. Cuz it could be either. He said that that's what he was trying to quote weed out, which, you know, let's talk about how men- having mental health issues doesn't make you a bad apple first of all. But yeah, it definitely does not qualify you for this experiment. (laughs) I will give him credit for that. Nobody qualifies for this. (laughs) No one does. But preconceived notions of mental health issues should, in fact, disqualify you from this particular one. Right. Um, But yeah, no, like that is completely inappropriate. And I forgot to mention that. (laughs) (laughs) What a what an just an awful just bad <laughs> just everything was bad <laughs> everything is bad um so there's our ethical dilemmas super fun time <laughs> had a great job <laughs> had a great time writing that um we we're kind of going to talk about what this experiment was trying to support which i feel like i've already mentioned um and then maybe have a conversation about good and evil. This is not a well thought out script on my part. Sabrina did a great job. Um, I disagree. Yours is like, it's so funny visually to see yours and mine. Because halfway through mine, the font size and color changes multiple times. <laughs> yeah, but you wrote everything down. And I'm like, you know what? I got what I needed and I'll just say fuck it with the rest of it. And yeah. I also sprinkled smiley face, sarcastic smile. Yeah, she did. <laughs> it would be like the worst thing possible and there's a smiley face next yeah. to it. If I ever send you a smiley face that's just um, a colon and a parenthesis, you know that <laughs> what I just said is the shittiest, most sarcastic thing. <laughs> I think you did a great job too, by the way. Oh, thanks. 
Um, yeah, are we talking about good and evil now? Are we just going to real quick in the last 15 minutes? Or did you have one more thing? Uh, no, we're talking about good and evil now. I, I, The only thing I wrote about good and evil was like Zimbardo's kind of expectations about what the experiment was proving and his own opinions on good and evil. Yeah. And then I figured if we wanted to continue talking about it, we could just share our own opinions because <laughs> it was just such, it's such a broad topic and like, I don't have the time or energy for that right now. <laughs> We're talking about the Stanford it's prison experiment and I'm not doing anything much. more than that. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we very early on in our friendship, someone asked, someone asked you a question about good and evil, like, I think they asked, um, do you think people are mostly good or mostly bad? And it's like, well, you said something like, well, what is good? You know, you can have good, you can do a good thing and have bad intentions. And is that good thing still good? And you can do, um, a bad thing and have good intentions. Yeah. So First of all, what are you considering good and evil? The murky waters of good and evil exist. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I said at the start of this, because that was, you know, an hour and a half ago. (laughs) And I can't remember. But this study just screams like it feels very of its time with the ethical dilemmas. But it's very much um, 1970s spiritualism and psychology birth child you know like they were just this new wave of spirituality was going on in the west i mean i i do think you know i haven't really said on the podcast before but i am religious myself and i do think that there's evil in the world you know yeah i mean i could list a hundred million examples but doing severe harm to people is evil yeah <laughs> zimbardo <laughs> i do i think that having any kind of physical or emotional or mental abuse is an evil thing to do yeah um and i i tend to lean towards the like it's hard for me to truly believe that people can change that about themselves which is something that most people not most people but a lot of people disagree with me on and I don't think that's like an always thing but I have a hard time in my heart and my soul forgiving people who do really bad things harmful things to Mm -hmm. other people I just think that's hard for me to understand or ever really grapple with yeah I mean I think in in my relatively short lifespan, I've seen people change behaviors over time, but it's hard and it's never anything super crazy or dramatic. Like I think to get to the point where you're truly doing awful things to people, you have to, I don't know, let go of like good doesn't matter to you anymore empathy doesn't matter to you right um but i do think in situations where like soldiers do 
awful things. I, I've known military people in my life and they've told me some of the things that they've done and they regret it and they feel bad about it. But it's like, are is the situation different because it was a time of war and it was someone else telling them to do it? Do you know what I'm saying? I think for me, my ability to understand um, like military and army mm-hmm. type stuff I can, I get that more than I get just, like, people living in daily life. Yeah. Because when I think about, like, physical, mental harm, I think about um, abusive partners, abusive parents, prison guards, like, people who are here in America and have full volition of what they're doing. Yeah. Whereas, like, military... I feel like they're trained mm-hmm. very deeply to do what they're told to do. Yeah. And that adds another level to it that I don't think it's fair to, you know, write it off as that was an evil thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some cases that I clearly like, I'm not saying I agree with anything the military does. This is not what's <laughs> happening right now. I'm not excusing any of it. It's a terrible... They do terrible things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's just a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that a lot of that is controlled. It, mm-hmm. They're uh, workers in a big farm. Yeah. <laughs> just I- told to do what they're gonna do i do think i liked one thing zimbardo said where he put up a description of evil in one of the or in the ted talk that we watched and the first thing was intent to do harm and power to do harm and then using those things to do harm so in the example of like a soldier or a worker you're you don't have as much power because it's like your boss is telling you the guy who has power over you is doing it um but a a situation like a spouse or a parent abusing a child it's like that's clearly to me to me those are examples where i feel very strongly like that's what i think of whenever i think of evil i think of people who are on their own making the decision to harm people that they claim to care about yeah that's something that i've always just looked at as terrible just completely heinous yeah i think i think for me the the things that i look at as truly the most evil are are probably like serial killers and serial rapists you know attacking people who have nothing to do with them like that to me is what what are we doing there Mm. but i don't know like for see like with that i think where my mind goes like evil for sure definitely Mm -hmm. um for me I think it's easier to disconnect when it's a stranger. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And for some reason that feels less. Not good. <laughs> not at all good. Just to be clear, not at all good. Mm-hmm. But less. And like, not okay. Usually it's due to a genuine, complete lack of empathy. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of these people are psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Um, and to some level that's biological yeah i mean yeah i'm not disagreeing with you but it's just like how do you even how do you even do a scientific study to prove it's not possible (laughs) do you know what i'm saying it like it's or a psycho a social psychological study which again there's a reason why we have the methods we have now like you're supposed to have i think it's called an operational definition Mm -hmm. and like you basically have to put your objective into very scientific and clear words evil good and evil are not scientific words they're not in any way something you can measure or understand or read as one human being it's not possible right they are constructs yeah you can't measure it yep. so you can't like you can do things to see like if put in the situation how does this one person act that's possible mm-hmm. but you can't define it as good or bad right so this whole thing as i stated earlier is fucked three ways from sunday <laughs> literally <laughs> we're like starting off we're at a bad spot and then just the whole thing like it's i don't think we ever reached a good spot there yeah. was no good spot it, this the man best sucks. part was when it ended <laughs> yeah. um and even then we didn't feel good no we it's 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 i'm at a loss it's sad yeah, it is really sad. And then I I still see even in the research, just in the research I was doing just today and in the past when I've looked into it, there's still this story going around about it, about how it proved that people are evil given the opportunity. And it's like, that's quite simply not true. And as far as I know, Zimbardo has been continued or continued to be allowed to like perform studies and do stuff like this mm-hmm. and didn't lose his he license should. or whatever. I don't know if he had a license. Um, I don't know. He probably wasn't a counselor or anything, but it, it's still just like, what? <laughs> Trauma and triggers. Like this is one of our harder episodes. It was- it's pretty wild, but it was like at the top of the list of things that we wanted to talk about. So. I mean, it's in our description for the things that <laughs> we really did need to get it done. <laughs> yeah. It was just real difficult. Um, um, but yeah. Uh, I, so Stanford prison experiment <laughs> and I'll be all of it. It sucked. It was terrible. It wasn't a good study ethically. It wasn't a good study morally. Just completely... Go ahead and disregard it. If you want to pretend like it didn't happen because scientifically it shouldn't have, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I'm at a loss. I guess, you know, I want to stop talking about this. So what traumatized and triggered <laughs> you today? Um, so many things. I don't even know. Uh, 
what to choose from. I think for me right now, I need to separate myself from this. So I'm going to say the fact that you called David <laughs> Matt. Matt. <laughs> I'm going to say that that's... <laughs> that's the worst thing that that's happened what drew today. <laughs> that was it for me. <laughs> David and Matt. Yep. Um, what was that one thing you were really upset about? <laughs> that was completely ridiculous? I can't remember what it was. Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even... Uh, you know, I really didn't like the all khaki uniforms. Yeah, I was just looking at that, too. <laughs> to me... <laughs> Nothing is lamer than an all khaki uniform. Like, if you're trying to make intimidating guards, don't choose all khakis. You're bad. You're, like, clearly, like, all black, dark blue, like, intimidating stuff like that. But instead you decided to look like... Look like a zookeeper. <laughs> the Out sunglasses here. were wild. You guys yeah. were indoors and you wore sunglasses? Yeah, that is also comedic to me. <laughs> like, what do you mean? He chose them because he watched this movie that was popular at the time, Cool Hand Luke. Um, <laughs> uh, cool Hand Luke wore, I don't think I if I said they're reflective aviators. So, yeah, that's stupid. But I guess it was cool for the time. I don't know. I don't feel like anyone ever felt like khaki was cool. But maybe that's just me. It's the worst. Yeah, I don't think that they've ever really been cool. Um, yeah, so that was the most upsetting thing. <laughs> <laughs> the all khaki. Oh! the num- Was it the numbers on the front and yeah, the back of the that smock? Was, that was what it was. That's stupid. One place was fine. You were upset because the numbers didn't go in order. That's what it was? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, why don't we just have like 001 or 101, 102? Like, to me, I felt like somebody put too much work into randomizing the numbers instead of thinking about the moral and ethical implications <laughs> of the study. Some of the numbers are like four numbers and some of them are three numbers. Like yeah. It went that far. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely not. It's giving, not I did part. too many psychedelics and snorted too much cocaine. It's the seventies. <laughs> Is Stanford in California? <laughs> yes, it is in California because okay. they arrested him in Palo Alto, California. Uh, yeah. California in the seventies. Drug, drug time, drug time. Great. Um, great. So, <laughs> great. <laughs> so that's all we have for you right now. Um, this episode, I think, should be coming out um, the 1st of January. So, Happy New Year's happy if New you're Year's. listening to us on the 1st. If not, fuck you. <laughs> How dare you have other plans besides us right now? <laughs> yeah, it's a good idea to drop a podcast on a holiday. <laughs> oh, we tend like we seem to really enjoy just kind of dropping them just whatever <laughs> just whenever we want to uh yeah i mean consistently 9 a.m every every other monday yeah and it just so happens the new year's fall on monday <laughs> it is what it is um itty what it is yeah i hope everybody has a great day and forgets 
all the terrible things we talked about and only remembers the good happy things (laughs) absolutely none are in this episode (laughs) nothing good happened here today no um well, we, I'm sure we have some polls, uh, a Q&A set up. Let us know what traumatized and triggered you. Yeah. Um, follow us on the Soch. Maybe I'll have uh, images for you to look at. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can email us. Your If you have, I would love for someone who has like firsthand experience or knows someone about this experiment to email in. I know that's reaching for the stars, but... I feel like I have long arms today. Yeah. And like, just in general, if you have a fun story that you want to share with us about something you think we would like to talk about Mm -hmm. or have talked about, go ahead and do it. Go off. We want to hear about it. We want to hear about your kinks. We want to hear about your psychological issues, (laughs) your trauma, your triggers. Go ahead. Send it in. Mm -mm -mm. We want to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, That's all we got for you guys. Bye. Bye.